this checkpoint the video game book club podcast today we're starting and ending our discussion on metal gear rising revengeance um i'm your host marcus and joining me today as always are the homies uh first off we got uh trevor what's going on we also have dante what's up and last but not least we have greg what's up uh, as I said, uh, we're going to be covering Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Um, uh, this was the second game that Greg chose um, for the month of November, or excuse me, for the month of October. So um, we'll go ahead and let Greg introduce the game. Okay, so uh, I picked Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. And uh, the reason why I picked this game, I um, kind of talked about it last week, but I'm a really big fan of Platinum and I feel like they make some of the best action games. So I kind of wanted to um, pick this up because it's kind of another short game and uh, also gives us the opportunity to kind of compare and contrast some of the things that they did in Vanquish or see what carried over from Vanquish to this game since it was released after. A little bit of background on this game. It was originally announced in 2009 as Metal Gear Rising, um, and it was being developed by Kojima Productions at the time. Um, as time went on, the project just kind of uh, had some issues and Kojima figured that he would just go ahead and let his team handle it so he could work on something else. I think he was actually working on uh, Peace Walker at the time. Um, even though he gave the game off to his team to handle, uh, they kind of had a hard time coming up with uh, actual mechanics or actual gameplay to to go around with the core mechanic of just cutting things. I don't know if you guys saw the... uh, Has anybody seen the actual 2009 trailer? So, from what I remember, it was originally a... I don't know if it was 100% connect or it was connect enhanced. Everybody was kind of confused on that point back in the day. Yeah, so the 2009 trailer kind of shows the main thing, which is kind of the slicing mechanic that they have. So... Um, it shows Raiden kind of slicing through one of the enemies from the game. Then there's a trailer of uh, him kind of running and cutting these pillars to a catwalk, basically. Then it shows him kick the feet from an enemy and then slice them up into a bunch of pieces. Uh, he cuts up a van. Basically, they're kind of just showing you, hey, you're going to do some cool shit slicing stuff. And everybody was kind of going crazy about it. And then maybe a couple years go by, nobody really hears anything about the game. And eventually uh, the game pops back up in 2011 at the VGAs. Um, this is when everybody finds out that Platinum has actually um, stepped in to help finish the game. And now, I mean, you, in, the, in the 2011 trailer, you still kind of see the same thing of, you know, it shows a bunch of, you know, him cutting up a bunch of things, but also shows a lot of uh, Platinum stuff. You see big enemies, you see what appear to be, quick time events and uh it definitely looks like a platinum ass game so um eventually the game is released in february 19th of 2013 and it's released on 360 and ps3 um game comes out a little bit later on pc i think it's january 2014 and the reception of the game was generally positive um i think a lot of people were kind of off put at the tone of the game. Um, it, it and I'm pretty sure, I guess, uh, Dante has like a little bit of experience playing other Metal Gear games, but it doesn't really feel like a Metal Gear game at all. So 
Yes, it, it's exactly as Greg says. It the tone is completely different, even though all the Metal Gear ism of it is in place. So it's kind of this weird self self aware. I want to say breaking the fourth wall, but Metal Gear already does that a lot. But it's just kind of it's aware of the Metal Gear tropes in a way that none of the other games kind of really bad at. So, And there's like a few things from Metal Gear that kind of carry over in this game as far as um, they've got the, uh, the status, I guess it's where the enemies kind of see you and it goes from caution to danger. Um, so that's kind of something that's in the other Metal Gear games. They even have the cardboard box, which is kind of a staple of the other Metal Gear games as well. Um, and even stuff as far as stealth, you can't, even though like in Metal Gear games, um, being able to go through the whole game without killing anybody is, uh, is something that is actually possible, but not so much in this game, but you still have the option to kind of use stealth to take out enemies. And then sometimes they completely joke about it. Like there's this one section where it's like, Oh, you can open this gate or whatever. If you sneak and get this guy's arm and, you can potentially kill that dude. And they're like, oh, why don't you just cut down the gate anyway, you idiot? You have a sword. <laughs> I forgot about that part. <laughs> um, so, let's see. Um, the game actually did pretty well as far as sales. I think, uh, according to VG charts, I think as of September, it sold, I think, 1.43 million. So, um Another one of Platinum's pretty pretty well received games uh, commercially as well. Um, as far as background for the game, I think that's about all I've got. Now, uh, one thing I guess I could add is I believe that they were some they were looking at making a sequel to this game, um, which would have kind of been cool to see what their take on it would have been. Um, but obviously, we're not going to see that. And um, I want to say that another thing that they wanted to do was the original vision that I guess Kojima had for the game was it was supposed to be also stealth based. So it would kind of also would have been interesting to see where the game would have went had it not kind of got picked up by platinum to see if they would have made it more of a traditional um, Metal Gear game or exactly what they would have done with it. And I can't find the source for where I read it, but someone said after platinum essentially picked up the game, they really just had like maybe a one, one and a half year development time for it, which is very, very low for a standard game. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And I believe they also completely switched engines because I think Metal Gear Rising was on the Fox engine, which was, I guess that's what they use for um, Metal Gear Solid five. But, uh, but anyway, platinum ended up using their own engine. And then another interesting thing, I guess, uh, it was supposed to originally take place uh, before Metal Gear Solid 4, but when Platinum picked it up, they figured that they would go a few years after that, so then they didn't have to worry about a lot of uh, red tape as far as making story changes and stuff like that with Kojima. And that 100% makes sense if you've ever seen like the Metal Gear Encyclopedia or anything else they have. So, So other than that, I think that's all I got for the background. So I guess, can we start moving into general plot and mechanics? Sure. Um, And I guess, as you can tell, uh, I'm sorry, Greg and Dante are really big Metal Gear fans. 
And I believe, I know this is my first Metal Gear. Is this your first Metal Gear, Trevor? It is. I never even played. <laughs> like, I have Phantom Pain. I've never started it. Yeah, I got Phantom Pain and Ground Zeroes, but I've never played them. So uh, this was very interesting. Uh, and uh, as we're going to go into gameplay, but obviously I always just want to preface. Uh, we are going to cover some story elements, especially the in-game stuff. So spoiler alert now, just in case you haven't played the game or you, you, you want to save it for yourself. Uh, uh, we will cover some spoiler stuff, so. Um, and I guess with that, let's let's go into the gameplay like Greg was talking about. Um, I guess first off, uh, you um, the beginning of the game, <laughs> like you you start off and you like. I didn't know what to expect as a non Metal Gear uh, player person. I've never I've watched. I think I watched Dante play Phantom Pain. That's the only time I've ever seen Metal Gear. I think you saw one of our old roommates, Thomas, play Metal Gear Solid 4 at one point. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I did not know what to expect. And uh, um, I think that this game is a weird inter- like weird introduction because everything I've ever seen everybody else play in Metal Gear, uh, this game does not look or seem anything like what anybody else was playing. So... From a uh, gameplay perspective, it could not be more like backwards opposite than anything else Metal Gear. So, so what would you guys consider like a traditional Metal Gear game? Because this is straight up an action hack and slash style game with the whole ranking system after you do an encounter and even like, a, you know, into the level ranking system. So this is more akin to like a Devil May Cry, a Bayonetta style game. What, yeah. what are Metal Gear traditionally like? What's the genre? What, what's the, what's the tagline, Greg, for Metal Gear? It's tactical stealth action. Or- yeah, something like tactical stealth espionage, or I forget exactly what yeah. it is. I think it's tactical espionage action. So, like so your typical Metal Gear game would would mostly revolve around. Um, you know, stealth, uh, trying to sneak around enemies, um, mostly dispatching people non-lethally, sometimes lethally, uh, inventory management, uh, long-winded cutscenes. That's another kind of big thing for Metal Gear. Um, I guess some would say kind of incoherent plot at times, or kind of hard to follow. A lot of, a lot of double crossing. Um, very convoluted. Yes. Um, so I would say that's kind of like the, the core things is just kind of the stealth action. I think that's which rising, uh, doesn't, or not rising, excuse me, uh, Metal Gear Revengers doesn't really have much of that, I guess. I don't know about that dog. (laughs) (laughs) You said convoluted story and you said like, it doesn't necessarily have the stealth aspect, but it does. It's actiony. It has long cutscenes and like the, the convoluted story. Um, uh, and then, like, this main character, Raiden, like, I've heard people discuss Metal Gear, bring it up, you know, in the past. Uh, I was only familiar with Snake, mostly from the two games I've ever seen people play of Metal Gear. He's, like, the main protagonist, and then, obviously, Smash Brothers. So, like, how does he, what's the difference between, like, Raiden and Snake? Is it, like, the Chris and Leon? Like, there's just a different main character in each game, or how, how does that go? 
Do you want to tackle this one, Greg? Or um, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you try. Okay, so Raiden, Raiden was a surprise to everybody. So when Metal Gear Solid Two was announced way way back in the day, all of the demo footage they showed for that game revolved around Snake infiltrating this like tanker, essentially, right? Yeah. And um, okay, we see all this footage. We see all this footage. And then it comes out, and you realize there's two episodes. The first episode is like like an hour and a half long prologue where you play as Snake, and he seemingly dies in that. And then the next, let's say, 10, 12 hours, you're playing as this guy named Raiden, and you go back to the footage they've been showing for years at that point, and you realize, oh, wow, they literally just edited it so you thought you'd be playing as Snake this entire time. And from a character perspective, Raiden is a completely different dude than Snake. He's kind of whiny. He kind of, um, he sulks a lot. He talks to his girlfriend on the little Kodak machine thing. And he's always like, oh, I don't know why I'm doing this and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of people were really down on Raiden at the end of Metal Gear Solid 2. But then Metal Gear Solid 4 comes around. He's this cyborg ninja dude that literally is doing incredible superhuman feats. And he kind of has a huge redemption arc. So Rising was kind of like the byproduct of this um, rags to riches of a video game character of sorts, as far as popularity goes. Because everybody hated that dude so much until Metal Gear Solid 4. And then everybody's like, oh my god, this guy needs his own game, essentially. I think that was like probably one of the best bait and switches in video games ever. They could never do that again. It it was especially amazing. in this age. Like that would have leaked at some point. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's no way that would. And that was kind of a big thing about Metal Gear Solid 2's plot. It was like how the government can alter data on the internet and stuff like that. It was kind of like this game, very timely in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. Okay, that that kind of <laughs> that's a little bit even more convoluted. Just just that description, but I guess that kind of makes sense. So, um, they they're both essentially good guys, though, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. Cool. And I guess just a tiny bit of Raiden's back backstory that they touch upon in the game. Raiden was a child soldier put through all of these virtual reality missions, essentially, that gave him the training to. Um, be a snake-like figure where he could actually like go and infiltrate a base and do all this crazy stuff. And that's kind of a lot of the story. A lot of the story this game resolves around as far as like the child soldiers and like why he's so, I guess, angry, why he's also known as Jack the Ripper, that type of stuff. Okay. And so like this game, it does take place after four, right? Yeah, I think four years after... This is the last thing in the timeline, and I forget if this game's considered canonical or not. Okay, I I just was wondering, because you said he had, like, the redemption arc between two and four, so I was wondering if this was, like, before four or or after four. So, okay, cool. So people were, like, big up on him, and they were like, okay, we're going to continue his storyline or whatever. And then that's when they came out with this game. Pretty much. All right, cool. So, um... I guess we'll, we'll hit some of the story. So, like, in the beginning of the game, uh, it starts off and 
you see Raiden dressed up in a like a, a tux or you know his suit or is he in a tux or a suit or something and yeah, uh, something like that he's riding with some uh Africans in a unnamed country and uh, he's basically like running security detail for the prime minister and um they're in like a, a military convoy I guess they're heading somewhere and the uh, convoy it gets attacked by uh these I guess this paramilitary force called Desperado and like their leader is this huge, like bald dude that's he's, he's wearing like a cyborg suit and um, he has like a super heavy Southern draw. <laughs> and uh, I guess the I, one other question I want to ask is like, not everybody in this game is cybernetically enhanced, right? Like there are human or in this universe, like there are regular ass humans and cybernetically uh, enhanced humans, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like a a weird thing or like you can be a normal functioning person uh, as a cyborg. You're not necessarily like a AI or working for regular humans, right? You're not like a slave to them or anything, right? No, you're just like, an enhanced human being for the most part. Okay. Okay, cool. So basically um, the dude sundowner, uh, he kidnaps the prime minister and then uh, your entire convoy gets killed. And then, so now it's like, I guess you're putting on, (laughs) you're pulling out the sword and uh, you find out this dude is some like ninja cyborg samurai. And then the game starts. And uh, <laughs> Trevor, how did how did you feel at this point? Like we we went through uh, our initial feeling, our individual feelings about this game. But how how were you feeling when you saw like what was going down as a newcomer? Um, just based on like the tutorial or the first impressions on the story. I guess you can even throw in the tutorial as well. Um, but both, yeah, go with both. Um, well, starting off. I thought this game was enemies would come at you and you could just kind of hack and slash your way through them. And that's kind of what the tutorial, that, the <laughs> one thing that it focused on was the running part. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and back Trevor up. Like the beginning of the game, it asked you if you want to do the tutorial. And I, since I had never played, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And it literally, the I think it went through three things and it was, you can hit X and Y to attack. X is your normal slash. Uh, I, obviously, um, I'm talking about 360. Uh, did everybody play on 360? Or? Uh, I played on PC. PC. So what was I played, 360 controller? I started off playing on 360, and then I realized the game was backwards compatible, so I actually switched to playing on Xbox One. Cool, cool, okay. Um, but yeah, so... Um, uh, you know, you have a, your light attack or your normal attack, and you got a heavy attack. And then it said um, left L two or left trigger um, is to go into. I think we we're talking about early, the, the angle of the slash you wanted to do. It's almost like a like the 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 way the game shows off this feature is that the the game slows down, all the characters slow down, and you can kind of just focus on cutting and you're basically like focusing on this one area you can just hack and slash at this one section of a person's body or whatever so you can use this mode to dismember uh enemies behead people uh cut off armor whatever and then uh 
I think the only other thing it said is right trigger or R2 is to ninja mode, and that's the run uh, feature. And basically, it was like, you can jump... It, it literally said, you can jump over things, but if you're in ninja mode, then you'll just automatically like vault over it or something like that. So you're just basically holding down right trigger and running, and your character is sprinting, and any little box or whatever, he'll just jump over it. Um and I guess one other thing is they have the parry, which is like use light attack in um, the direction of an enemy is swinging at you. There's like a little blip that happens. And if you time it correctly, you parry their attack. But that was literally like there were four instructions in training mode. And then the game starts. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be easy. Like, I'm just going to swing my sword. I'm going to look really cool. And yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. Go, go ahead, Trevor. Is that, is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty much. And then the the first mission, I guess that you go on the tutorial mission, kind of. I mean, that was pretty much all you needed to know going through. Yep. That <laughs> it was like um. So the game it's uh seven chapters, but the very first chapter is chapter zero. So essentially, there's eight chapters. So um. You know, like we said, uh, the prime minister of this country gets kidnapped by Sundowner and you're basically uh, surrounded by enemies and you have to find Sundowner. That's your mission objective. So then, it, you know, he whips out his sword and then it's go. And then at this point, I mean, you're just fighting. And like at this point, like everything I learned in tutorial mode, like I, it was I mean, I, I was I was getting it. I was getting it. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, man, this is cool. You know, I'm, I'm slicing dudes in half. I'm cutting arms off. I'm cutting legs off. Um, and this is super cool. And then my, my first obstacle, I think, was um, uh, not everybody in this game fights you with a sword. There's characters with guns. There's characters with rocket launchers, you know, all types of weapons. And um, I, just, I just started getting hit by, like, rocket launchers. And I'm like, how do I stop a rocket? And then it was downhill from there for me. <laughs> so I guess I should also add that me and Greg have played through this game before. And like Marcus and Trevor said, they this is their first Metal Gear. So we at least had the experience of going through the game once. And I guess we had a general, I don't want to say I had a feel for the gameplay, but I vaguely remembered enough about it from when I played it near launch that I was able to take some of that knowledge and bring it with me. Yeah. And I mean, for the most part, it's, this is your like standard, like, you know, not, I'm not saying standard to be dismissive, but it's like a hack and slash. So you're just, you know, running to this section. All right. Now there's an encounter. You, you know, defeat everybody here, you get your ranking or whatever. Right. And like, for the most part, that's how this initial level goes off, goes. Um, You, you end up encountering like this huge mecha, like, monstrosity (laughs) and it ends up having a life bar so i'm like oh this is like a boss or like a mini boss or whatever and then at this point that's when the game kind of introduces like the quick time event um aspect of this game and i think like at this point i mean i'm i've played a a handful about four or five platinum games that's basically like that's their thing right yeah they uh they love their set pieces and their quick time events so, you know, it introduces, oh, there's going to be quick time events and everything. Is that, is that like, that's not something they normally do in Metal Gear, right? Uh, a little bit in not, like Metal Gear 4. Not, I mean. yet, 
Yeah, there is that oven scene. But generally, there's not too many quick time events. It's it's more of 20, 30, 40-minute cutscenes. Okay, I, I just, I'm just asking because I, yeah, I yeah. you know, so, um, all right. So, yeah, there's some quick time events. And, I mean, it, it's you basically dismantling this this robot and, you know, like turning it into his next form or whatever. And I, I one of the things I will say about this game, uh, the quick time events and stuff are, I think people have a negative uh, perception of quick time events, but I think Platinum does them really, really well. And, uh I thought the the quick time events for the most part in this game they were they didn't come up too too often and when they did it was kind of like a welcome change uh, because you were like okay I'm about to see something cool happen and uh, they're I'm, almost all cathartic as far as like what you're about to do it's like oh I just got done with this really difficult fight yeah um, yeah kind of billion pieces I will say. I do prefer Vanquish cuts, uh, quick time events. Just, I, I think, nah. dude, I, 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 personally, personally, I just think the, the, the things that you are doing when you do the quick time events, when you're taking down bosses, to me, is cooler in Vanquish. But, uh, cause I remember you specifically saying, like, oh, you think these are cool? Wait till you see Metal Gear. And I, and I just wanted to say, like, I did, and nah, I prefer Vanquish. But, um, yeah, but, uh, after this boss, like, this is when I had my first issue with this game, or like my my like this boss fight is like this is one of the things. This is a reoccurring issue that I had throughout this game is that um, I you know I, I, the combat and everything was was fine fighting all these uh, fodder enemies, the goons, but uh, when I fought the boss, I could not get my parry timing down, so I couldn't tell if. Um, if his attack, like I, I wasn't sure if the attack was parryable or not, because I like because you basically the way this game goes is like these enemies are so big that you're like quote unquote hardly harming them. So you're swinging your sword, swinging your sword, and then it just rears back to do an attack, and you're in the middle of like your animation of swinging. So you have to quickly tap, you know, attack again, and um, it switches to your parry. But I just, like, personally, I just wish it was a different button than the attack button because there's so many times where it's like, okay, parry, and I just get another swinging animation, and then I get hit, and then I'm like, all right, I lost a chunk of damage because I was, tr- like, you know, this is not the same button. Um, and I I eventually got better at it, but, like, it was super frustrating for me because, like, I'm coming not – they're not the same type of games, but, like – I was kind of going at the combat kind of like Batman and Assassin's Creed. I was kind of, you know, juggling between hitting this enemy, then hitting this enemy, then hitting this enemy. So I was trying to, like, have a long, you know, high number hit combo and, you know, go between multiple enemies. But I couldn't get the parries down because it was the same button as the attack. And it was super frustrating to me. Um, I completely agree with that. Like, that was the same comparison I was going to make is, um, like, when you're countering um, enemies attacks I would have rather been like Arkham Asylum a different button yeah <laughs> like a button dedicated to parrying especially or, or even even like a guard button too especially because like when you literally go into the controls of this game two buttons are not marked they're not used like at all 
Like they don't, they're not marked. So I'm like, why, why are we not using the A and the B button? Like why? I, not? I think it was a specific design choice, or at least that's how I interpret it. Like the fact that they don't give you a dodge at all. I mean, in my mind, said we want you to keep attacking no matter what. We want your hand on the attack button at all times. So even while you're attacking, we want you to see somebody else is attacking you from behind, be able to hit in the direction and hit attack, instantly go into attacking them and keep slashing, essentially. I think that's why they did it, in my opinion. I can see that, but the problem I had a lot of times was moving from one enemy to the other because kind of locking on to enemies was Mm -hmm. kind of difficult. And then if you start moving around... um, and enemies start circling you, mm-hmm. you almost can't see which way the attack is coming from. Yeah. Or sometimes yeah. you don't see it at all. So I think one of my big complaints of this game is just kind of the camera. Yeah. Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it like in a lot of the larger environments, you're fine. But as soon as you kind of get anywhere where it's a little bit uh, kind of closed off and there's multiple enemies around you, it's a little difficult to, uh, to kind of navigate with the camera to be like, okay, I need to go. The one thing that I had remembered and, and I forgot, it took me like maybe a couple hours before I actually remember this effect. You could click in the thumbstick to kind of reorient the camera to wherever he's facing. But before then it was just kind of like, I'm trying to swing the camera around sometimes to see things. And it just ended up mostly, I would just kind of ninja run out of situations. If I thought that well, was too many people, I can't see what's going on. So I'll just run away, try and like swing the camera back around and do that. Yeah, I kept having, because I'm, the way I was fighting people was I wasn't focusing on one person for like, like I'm literally like maybe doing two hits on this person, then immediately going to attack this person and this a person. So like I was kind of going all over. And the issue that I had with the camera is every time I swung it around, like to try to keep track of where I was, it eventually just started panning back to like the default area. And it completely like took like enemies off the screen for me and like, I don't know why they made it so like the camera just would automatically default. It was like the play style, the way I was going about combat was counterintuitive to the way they wanted you to do it. It was almost like you're you're playing this wrong. Yeah, I was going to say you're fundamentally playing it 100% different than how I did it. So like when I battled something, I'd always focus on one enemy, get them to the point where um, they would be... Zondatsuable, I guess, would be the... Right the blade mode. We'll just say yeah. the blade mode. Yeah, so I guess we haven't even gone into Zondatsu. Um, eventually, after Chapter Zero ends, Raiden gets enhanced in a way that he can cut enemies in specific parts. And he if, if he cuts them, I guess, across the spine would be the general, like... Just area. down the middle, then in the torso, basically. Yeah, in the torso like- section... He can grab their spine, get the electrolytes, and that fully recharges his blade meter and his health meter. So, after killing one enemy, if you can rip their spine, you can instantly go into Zandatsu on another enemy. So, you can literally just keep chaining that until all the enemies are dead. So, it significantly cuts down on the, I guess, amount of fighting you really have to do in that game. Yeah, and that, that's not something, like, the game tells that to you, but I didn't necessarily get that down until, like, the second or third chapter. But, like, he's right that 
one of the things I will say about the game is I think it does a, in my opinion, a not great job of explaining the tools and the systems, just the gameplay tools and systems to new players. Like, and it's kind of weird too, because this is like a completely new game, like a, a departure from any other type of game that they've ever made. So in my mind, like it would make more sense if they had a better tutorial or like did a better job of explaining these things. But I will say that as the game progressed, as I got more accustomed to the combat, the combat did get easier for me. So I would say by the uh, Sans boss fights, uh, like just generic enemy encounters, uh, I, I started playing like how Dante was saying, where it was like, okay, you know, you, you have your health bar and then you have your Zandatsu, your your blade mode meter. And so basically when that's filled up, you can go into that slow mode I was talking about and you can kind of slice and dice enemies and the way to refill it is to uh, swing on enemies. And like every time you swing, it connects, you get a little bit of meter back and a little bit of meter back. And you can't go back into that blade mode until it's completely full. So like he was saying, a good way of taking out an entire room is to blade mode when you get in, kill somebody, grab his spine, and then just work the room like that. So you can take down a room of like five or six enemies and like, 20 seconds versus probably the way me and Trevor were doing in the beginning where it was taking like a minute and a half, you know? Yeah. It's clearly intended. Like it's very difficult to kill somebody without going into blade mode. They take a lot of extra slashes at the end. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I just want like, kind of moving a little bit back to the, the other, another big thing, that I had an issue with uh, besides the camera and uh, how they kind of taught you to play this game was the, (laughs) I guess the animation, like I I had a particular hard time like dealing with rockets in this game. If I got hit with any, well really any type of projectile that wasn't reflectable, uh, you find out that when you're in ninja mode or, you know, the fast running mode, you can kind of reflect any type of machine gun bullets that people shoot at you. Well, some of these bigger, badder bosses, they shoot projectiles at you, and these projectiles are non-reflectable. Um, and they shoot them really fast, and uh, if you get hit by one, I, I like specifically like the enemies that shoot more than one like in rapid succession, if you get hit with the first one, you get knocked down, and as you're doing the get-up animation, which is a canned animation, you can't, as far as I could tell, you couldn't like make it go any faster. You get hit by the second one. Okay. Then you start the animation again. You get hit by the third one. So it's like, damn, I'm getting punished for getting hit. Like, obviously I shouldn't get hit, but it was like super frustrating to see that. Like, I don't have any control of how much damage I'm going to, I don't know. Like I'm getting punished for getting hit and it's like taking a chunk of damage on me. And like throughout this entire game, there'd be situations where I'm fighting either a boss like that or like a group of different tier of enemies and I get hit by one enemy and then I'm like waking up or like you, like sometimes these enemies put you in a dizzy state where you have to like shake the, uh, the left joystick left and right to get out of the dizzy state. So you're like standing up and like wobbly, like, like a fighting game, like if you're stunned and you have to shake out of it. Well, during that time, you can still get hit by enemies. So there's a lot of times where I get put in that dizzy state and I take another 30 or 40 percent of damage because there's nothing I can do. I just have to eat it. And that was also kind of frustrating because it seemed like 
it was kind of pure happenstance that it happened. There wasn't anything that kind of triggered it. It just sometimes it happened and sometimes it doesn't. And even like if you get hit by a rocket, sometimes if you like, I don't know the falling animation, but if you were able to tap the jump button enough, you could do a quick flip out of it and you could kind of like wake up and not have to eat the other projectiles. But it was pure random. Yeah, I couldn't figure out if there was a timing to it or what, because I would see it happen sometimes, but it was just kind of me mashing. And so I don't know if it's like a timing thing or if it's just it just kind of happens randomly or exactly what it was. Yeah. And so, like, those are like my major qualms with the game. Uh, It's just I I think it doesn't do a good enough job of teaching you how to play this game. But, I mean, if you stick with it, then maybe then you can uh, reap the benefits of, like, learning with the game. And, you know, uh, what were you about one to say? Thing, one thing I do want to say, at least as far as, like, the tutorial stuff, I'm not going to try to justify it or anything like that. But I will say that it is kind of akin to the other Metal Gears in that regard, where Metal Gear gives you probably tens, if not hundreds of tools throughout, like, two, three, and four. But really all they teach you how to use maybe is like the cardboard box and your silencer. So a lot of those games is just kind of going to the lab essentially and just trying stuff out and seeing what fits you and what doesn't. So I don't know if that's what they were going for when they tried to um, just focus on the basics of the, like the most quintessential mechanics, if you will. Sure. And like, I, I think that, uh, I get that. And like, so that's like a, a, a cool, like, Hey, I'm, I'm a Metal Gear player. So I'm in on this, like, this is like normal or whatever, but, um, I don't know. It, it was just kind of annoying to me. And I, I ended up like, once you got the cardboard box, I tried to sneak the entire game. So I wouldn't have to do combat. Like, <laughs> like yeah, like, like straight up. Like I was like, I tried to avoid as much combat as I could because, like, I was literally dying to, like, fodder enemies. Uh, I wasn't even dying to, like, bosses at one point. I was, like, so frustrated with the combat because I, I couldn't get the parries down. Like, it took me five chapters to get the parries down. And uh, it wasn't until you fought, like, your the third boss that I, you know, I got that down. Uh, just a little bit, you know? Uh, you didn't get used to, like, seeing that? Because I guess the, the big thing about the parries is, like, I guess as far as timing, like you kind of see the uh, that yellow, or I guess the the bright flash from the enemy, like whatever they're going to attack with or whatever, and then you can kind of time it based off that. I know it's a little funky because everybody has different startup animations on their attacks, so sometimes you might do it a little bit too early, you know. But for me, yeah, it was a pretty forgiving window. At, yes, yeah. and that's what I found out later on. But for me, it was like when you're fighting certain enemies you have to parry more than one attack and there's no tell. So like, you know, I parry the first attack and then I'm like, all right, cool. Then I get hit with the second one. I'm like, well, how was I supposed to know? Because there's no second flash. And it's just kind of a memorization at that point. Yeah, yeah. But like like every enemy, well, I I will say that the enemies that I mostly had the trouble with were the robot enemies. The human enemies, not so much. But it was like the robots where they had three or four different types of attacks. So like, I... I ended up, you know, I'm getting hit by something, I get frustrated, and then I get hit by something completely different, get frustrated. So, like, by the time I, I you know, they, they go back around and do the loop and, you know, they're throwing out the same attack that they've thrown out before, I'm like, all right, cool, is he going to jump? 
is this the one where he does two attacks? Is this the one he does three? And it's trial and error. And like, I appreciate it about that, about this game because had it not been for me getting my ass beat so much, I wouldn't have been able to learn it, but it was very frustrating. And it was like, damn, like at some points I was like, yo, that's enough metal gear for today. And this is a hella short game <laughs> for me to have felt that way. You know, I beat this game in five and a half hours and I felt that way four times <laughs> while playing this, you know? I'm kind of surprised just because, like, the first real boss, the blade dog that you fight at the very beginning, is kind of seen as the quote-unquote, like, get good entry, where a lot of people get stuck on him forever. But after that, it's like, okay, I have this really good feel for how the parry system works. Because a lot of his attacks are exactly as you described, where he has, like, three or four-part attacks where you're like, parry, 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 parry. And then you kind of get this rhythm for it. And I, then it kind of, <laughs> I, just, I feel like the difficulty dips pretty severely after that for a good I, I couldn't figure out the parry, so I just ninja ran away from him uh, when I saw he was doing an attack. And I just ninja ran. And, so, well, go ahead. Oh, no, go, you can go ahead and finish. Yeah, I was just going to say, so, like, the, the main attack that I had issues with with him was... Uh, um, his projectiles that he shot, and then uh, the little knives. Yeah, like because he shot multiples of those, and that that was a sequence where it was like, oh, I get hit by the first one trying to parry it, and then I get hit by all three if I mess up the first one, and then uh, the other attack was his um, unblockable, the the grab that he does, like because. Okay. A lot of the, the grabs in this game, they put you in that shake stance where you have to shake the left and right stick. And for some reason, I just couldn't like any time I had that up in this game. I, I guess it was like either I'm not shaking hard enough or do enough touches on each side, and like so I, I always saw the full animations anytime it was a shake uh, sequence. Trevor, you were gonna say something? Yeah. So one of the issues I had since you brought up the Blade Wolf, um. When you fight that first boss in, I guess, the tutorial mission, Mission Zero, mm-hmm. first of all, I'm a huge fan of Zoids. So when I first saw that, I was just like, man, this game is about to be awesome. We got well, giant. If I mechs told in you here. that was the Metal Gear and the entire series is about them. Man. I thought it was cool too, Trevor. For the <laughs> record, I was like, yeah, let's go. And, but the only thing about that boss was it doesn't teach you anything um like really necessary for the rest of the game until you get to close to like the end of the game in my opinion like you learn more how to play the game from the dog than you do the tutorial boss yeah i could definitely see that you do learn how to about the importance of blade running or whatever so you can dodge his like light machine gun attack but blade dog is really in my opinion where you actually have to you, they want you to know the mechanics before you go any further than Blade Wolf. Hey, when you get to that dog, like I found out, I had like four health packs, and I remember running around for ten minutes trying to figure out how to use my health pack because I didn't <laughs> want to die because the game doesn't tell you how to heal yeah, yourself. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of sucky. Yeah, so like I was just like, but it was cool. Like the one thing I will say, and this is this is why I don't think it's as hard as you. I didn't have that much issue with him, even though I didn't know how to play the game, was because he would send out fodder enemies. And if you killed them with Zadatsu or the blade mode, you could reheal yourself. So 
I honestly, between him and the first boss, like both of them had uh, other enemies that uh, you could fight besides them and you could heal yourself. So it you didn't necessarily have to be on point with the combat because they had enough of a fail safe in the uh, fact that they had all those fodder enemies that you could heal yourself. So that's why I didn't learn how to play this game until the third boss, because he had no fodder enemies. I'll have to disagree with you though, because um, when you first get the health packs, it actually does tell you once you equip them, they'll automatically be used to heal you. That was the only, you know, you can Uh, manually use them as well, right? Um, yeah, I yeah. think I, I think it tells you that too. I can't remember. See, I didn't know that it was going to use it uh, when you died, uh, or when you lost your hundred percent life. You know, your first bar. I didn't know it was going to use it, so I was tr- trying to figure out how to use it, and that's the issue I was having. So I, I didn't know that if I went below zero life, it would automatically heal me back up to hundred. So. Oh, I dropped down to zero a lot, so I was yeah, I, was I acquainted. I didn't know time. that. I didn't know that. So. <laughs> I found it out later, but I didn't know it in that first boss. But uh, but speaking of equipping stuff, um, why does it take so long to get to the menu? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot <laughs> about this one, too. Okay, so um, in addition to having a sword and health packs, you can have like a, a backup item or whatever that you can use with your left bumper or L1 or whatever. And those uh, range from being like a, a rocket launcher various types of grenades you can swap to a a cardboard box to hide in or whatever so there are multiple things you can only have one equipped at a time but there are multiple things that you can use in combat to help you out and for some reason it's it's to to get into it you have to hit right on the d-pad but for some reason they don't allow you to get into it unless you are standing still uh, so it was very difficult, me specifically, because I was trying to sneak around everything. I always had the cardboard box equipped and I'd get to like a, you know, like a mini boss or whatever, unexpected mini boss where you see a cutscene and then that triggers a mini boss. Then it's like, damn, like I got to run a- away from this dude to like avoid his attacks or whatever. And now I got to run all the way to the other side of the screen from him and try to like stand still long enough that I can switch to get in this menu, switch my weapon, and then dodge whatever attack he's inevitably going to have ready for me once I get out of this menu. But but I guess it's just me. No, no, no. I was going to say that I... This is my theory. This is another Metal Gear-ism of it, where um, Metal Gear, essentially, the same thing happens, where you stand still, you hit a button, these menus come up, you go through your items, you equip them, and you can use them. And I think the way the the reason it's like that in this game is most of those items are kind of I don't want to say joke items, but they're not really like I don't think they're intended to be used in combat that much. You need that cardboard box. What you talking about? <laughs> that's I think that's about it. The rest of the stuff just kind of feels like it's there just for. Just to be like, hey, it's a Metal Gear game, so you're going to have, you know, grenades. You're going to have... Like, did gr- you ever or... use a grenade or rocket launcher, Greg, aside from, like, taking out a rocket or um, a helicopter? Um, Just to take out a helicopter, and then I figured, you know what? I'm going to just try and use the grenades to see if they're worth anything, and I'm like, okay, yeah, never mind. No. 
Whoa, whoa, Trevor, whoa, Trevor, how many items did you use? Let's talk about the whoa. game, you know, okay. the babies. Let's go. <laughs> okay. I use hella grenades. Exactly. What? Like the the really? EM grenades, they stun everything. Yeah, the EMP grenades were the best because when you would throw them, like you could quick tap them. And when you when when it hit everybody, it would do you know they would just be frozen in place, so you can get as many free hits as you want. So I could use it as an opportunity to build up my ninja blade mode. But then you could just run in and just slash a bunch of people, and then go into Zandatsu mode, and then exactly. like exactly, uh, I guess. Or when I had rocket launcher equipped and I ran super far away from somebody, I could like shoot off two rocket launchers from like a range where I didn't have to worry about dying. I guess that makes sense for the rocket launcher. I just, I guess I never felt like I needed to use the grenades. And so it was just like an experimentation thing. I'm like, I'll just try it. And then I didn't really feel like I benefited that much from using it. The rocket launcher, I could see though. Even um, the smoke grenade was nice too. Did you use that Trevor? Yeah. I used that on, um, on one of the bosses actually. Yeah. Like you can use the smoke grenade and then it's kind of like they can't see you. So then you can just get free hits on them then too. I didn't even try the smoke grenade. Man, how did you even play this game? (laughs) That's why I was so frustrated with the menu, because I was trying to use all these items, and every time I wanted to switch to one, I had to go to that menu again. Yep. Because I literally felt like 90% of that stuff was just Easter eggs. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's how I felt. I guess we were just playing different games. (laughs) Oh, oh, actually, one other thing that I think that is kind of a little bit frustrating about this, and then we can, like, go into the story stuff unless you guys have anything else is um so after you beat each mission uh, throughout that mission you're collecting uh, i think it's bp or battle points or whatever your Mm -hmm. fight money and uh at the end uh you get an amount for basically your score and just random stuff you found throughout the level and then you can use it to customize slash upgrade writing so you can do things like change how it looks cosmetically um you can uh upgrade his life you can uh make his sword stronger. You can equip secondary weapons, a a lot of different things you can do from this menu. Uh, But one of the things is you can learn new abilities and uh, the, the game I bought 75% of the abilities in this game without knowing how to do a single one of them. Same. The, the normally in these type of hack and slash games, they at least tell you the button combination to in order to do this before you buy it. Or, uh, like, specifically, like, I'm saying, like, normally in Hack and Slash, like, I play a lot of Hack and Slash. Uh, the main ones that I'm referring to is something like a Batman and something like Bayonetta. And specifically in Bayonetta's case, you can practice it in the loading screens. You can practice your moves or whatever. Uh, there was not any way of figuring out how to do... I didn't find out a way to figure out how to do any of these moves that I bought until the last boss. I paused the game and I went to help because I was so frustrated. (laughs) And uh, I found out, oh, this tells you how to do these moves. And it was like, well, damn, that would have been helpful. Or like, they didn't... I don't think they mentioned it at all. Like how to see how to do these moves or they didn't mention like you could see your move list in this mode at all. Um, so that was a little bit frustrating. And cause this is like a, I feel like that's a common thing in hack and slash games where they at least explain or show you how to do this thing, the input to do this thing. But 
I feel like Dante is going to say, well, in Metal Gear, so go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) For actually, like, I was going to agree with you. And I mean, yeah, I I agree with you. So take that. Yes. And and considering that Bayonetta was released before this, you would have thought that they would have maybe said, hey, you know, we'll put this in the game because it's obviously a good idea, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, like, because, like, Granted, like, I have literally, this tool called the internet where I can look stuff up, so I figured out how to do all this. So, hey man, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to play in a bubble. You know, my first impressions. I don't want to be tainted by everybody else's, you know, advice. But I appreciate it because me and Trevor, we were we were down to the last minute. Me and Trevor beat this game today before we you know got on the show, and uh, uh, Dante had said, "Hey, you know, if you hit A and X, you do an air dodge," and I'm like, "Did I even buy that?" Let me check. And I sure enough, I bought it. And that made that last boss like so much more easy than it would have been with my method. And I'm kind of salty because it's like, I think that was like, I bought that after the first mission and I, like I had it for four hours, not knowing how to do it. And it, 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 it would have helped me out in a lot of situations. So <sighs> this game, <laughs> I thought like all those skills that you unlocked were going to be like, um, say Kingdom Hearts, for instance, where it just kind of adds on to your combos. I thought they were passive. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess. yeah. That, that's why I'd, that's why I wasn't um, like concerned that there wasn't any type of button input or a tutorial to tell you how to use those moves. I thought they were just passive skills. Like you no, have to have I, a certain weapon equipped. A I lot read of them, them. Are pretty simple. It's like back, forward, 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 whatever. But yeah, they don't tell you unless you go to help. Yeah, and that, that was kind of like I don't know if you felt that way because I mean, like honestly, the way you played the game, if you're going into ninja mode or blade mode a lot, it doesn't really matter. You're just you know just bringing them down enough so that you can build up that bar, slicing them in the you know spine, grabbing it, rinse, repeat. So, like, you don't necessarily need to know how to do some of these things, but, like, the dodge and a boss or, you know, on the enemies that grab you, like, that would have been so helpful to know how to deal with it. So, uh, Did you know of the, um, I guess, ninja slide is what I would call it? When you run and you hit, yeah, so I knew how to do that. The heavy? Yeah, that's super helpful, especially if you go into blade mode during that. Yep, yep. That that was my go-to. Like, okay, I've been spotted, so let me get off this box and run at them. <laughs> yeah, so that was super cool. Um, I guess do we have anything else? There's one more mode we haven't touched on, but I want to kind of go through the story so we can introduce this mode. That makes uh, sense. So, uh, is there anything else like that we need to touch on gameplay-wise? Did anybody? I guess the the one other gripe I have gameplay wise, this is kind of a small thing. I don't feel like for an action game, I don't feel like the aerial combat's very good. Or like, I mean, I guess you there's times where you do have to jump and hit enemies, but like I never felt like. And this could just be like I just don't remember if there was any additional skills that you gained to kind of help with this, but didn't feel like it was really easy to like sustain combos in the air, other than just kind of mashing and hoping that you hit them. Yeah, I I felt that way, but luckily the types of enemies that required you to get in the air, there was only they didn't pop up that often. So yeah, it was mostly the helicopter, and then like 
those uh, dudes with the the, uh, the uh, dude with the wings, and yeah, then the, yeah, yeah. And then the, the, the yeah, and the security cameras. So, but I mean, that's just kind of like a nitpicky thing I had, but. And I guess from playing Bayonetta and a lot of their other platinum games, I kind of just basically knew that back forward, whatever is like the rising slash or whatever that knocks them up into the air. But even once you do that, there's no like follow up, automatic <laughs> follow up. Yeah. Um... Where you jump instantly afterwards. So it is a little wonky in that regard. Uh, Anything else we need to touch on gameplay-wise? All right, let's go into the story. So kind of like what we said, we we talked about that first, like, intro tutorial mission in Africa, and um, basically it ends with you uh, chasing down Sundowner on a uh, train, on a train, and he has the uh, Prime Minister in his hands. He ends up killing the Prime Minister, and uh, one of Sundowner's homies, uh, Jetstream Sam, uh, he's another cyborg. Cy- Shout out to Vanquish. Say what? Shout out to Vanquish, another guy named Sam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. Yeah, um, but uh, you end up fighting. Uh, Sundowner kills the Prime Minister. He gets away. And then you fight Sam on this train. And, like, straight up, I thought this was a boss fight. And I was like, yo, I'm so bad at the combat. And I, he he wrecks you. And I, and I thought it was me being just bad, but he's he's supposed to beat you. I'm so and, bad he cut my arm off. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, like, I'm not hitting it. Like, dude, like, I literally went into that cutscene within, like, three seconds. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he ends up, like, cutting your arm off. He, like, cuts your eye, right? He, uh... Yep. He cuts your eye and uh just like just wrecks you and leaves you like for dead, basically. And you're discovered, uh you get saved and uh it, it shows three weeks later you have a, a cyber arm and uh you have like a, a bandana over your eye and you're in some random Middle Eastern nation and uh uh, you're supposed to track some guy down, and uh, ultimately, like that doesn't matter. You end up fighting uh, your the first. Like, would you say she's like the first real boss? Yeah, I think so. Well, we're not gonna talk about Dog Companion. Oh shoot! Yeah, I forgot about Dog Companion. You go ahead and talk about him. He, I don't like that character. You don't. Oh man, you don't like Blade Wolf. Well, I... <laughs> anyway, like. I don't even really remember the lead up to him, but you fight a dog slash wolf cyber enemy that used to be Sam's pet, I guess. And um, that was the first fight we were talking about where it was essentially, hey, you really got to learn how to counter or maybe you don't. You don't. (laughs) Fair. But um, you beat him... And you take him to, is it Doctor who reprograms him to be good? Yeah, something like that. He's basically programmed to kill you. And you take him to this scientist that you work with, Doctor, and he reprograms him to be like your scouter. Yeah, and it's kind of like this sentient dog that he kind of gets that he's a robot, but he also 
sometimes has these like conflicted moments where he shows some human like characteristics, I guess would be the best way to describe him. And he's kind of this deep knowledgeable thing that at the same time is just a dog. So he's kind of the, I won't call him like the secondary character, but he's a companion to Raiden throughout his entire quest. Like the best way I can describe it is like, if you ever see an interstellar, he's like Tars, the sidekick robot. He's kind of like wisecracking uh, or very, but very dry in very his dry humor, but like he makes like these subtle jokes. Uh, but mostly he's just there to do whatever you tell him. He's like, all about the mission. Uh, he, but he's there to make your life easier. But like, you don't really interact with him as a player. It's it's more like riding the characters interacting with him. Yeah, he's never there in combat with you, as far as I remember. He's not. But uh, yeah, so that's where you quote unquote learn the game. Uh, but you know, it didn't work for every, all of us. And then uh, that's. Uh, that first level, then the second level is when you're in this, uh, you're uh, in that Middle Eastern country and you fight the first like actual real boss. And I think she's, uh, so we said Sundowner is the leader of these Desperado, that paramilitary force. So like these bosses are his uh, lieutenants, I guess you could say. So the first one you fight is this like French sounding chick named Mistral. And uh, she's uh, she has like six arms, <laughs> six robot arms, and it's really cool. And then she makes it; she turns them into like a a staff, and uh, you you basically beat her ass. Uh, and uh, I did not like this boss. I felt like the boss, like because I hadn't learned combat yet, I. And I, uh, <laughs> because I hadn't learned combat yet, it was me basically running around doing as much damage as I could until I didn't have any life left, and then killing all those little minion bosses to collect uh, enough life to be back at max health and rinse repeat. So it was for me, it was a very boring dry fight uh, because I hadn't got the combat down. But I know I'm in the minority here. Uh, did you? How did you feel about this boss, Trevor? Uh, boss was really easy to me. Damn. Like, I don't... (laughs) Like, this... Like, since we mentioned it earlier, Blade Wolf was, you know, pretty high on the difficulty scale compared to some of the other bosses. And even reading online, like, it is telling me, like, one of them is, like, the second most challenging, but... This boss and I think the next two were probably the easiest to me. Dang. I thought this boss was easy, but I didn't it wasn't fun, is what I'm saying. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought it was inventive. Like the way she, you know, uses those um what do you call them? The little robot minions. She basically has yeah. these little minions that's like a a, a eyeball. And then it has three arms and it, so it crawls around on the ground. And what it, what they do is she usually has four or five out at a time. And then they try to jump and grab you. So then it makes it easier for him to her to hit you because basically if she, if they get, you get grabbed then you have to shake them off. Uh, so like your goal is to try to like 
destroy those things and then do a little bit of damage on her, destroy them, do a little bit of damage on her. That's how I ended up doing it. And it was just like, oh, this is so boring. And then I even feel like the, I guess it was like her second phase where um, you're basically on like a linear tube and you're, mm-hmm. um, you know, the kind of fighting. The part? Yeah. I thought that was interesting too. Like changing up the level design a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but I, <laughs> yeah. So my question to you guys is, um, this, they don't really spell this one out either, but a lot of the bosses are significantly easier once you knock off their limbs. So did you just straight up fight her or did you go into Zandatsu and cut off her robot arms? I straight up fought her. I didn't know about okay, her. Cause, yeah, that's kind of like to get her to not dodge all of your attacks. Eventually she'll get into the stagger state. You go into the Zandatsu, you do a vertical cut on the left and a vertical cut on the right, cutting off her six robot arms. And then she's, pretty much left without anything to block against. So that's when you can do like 30, 40, maybe even like 50% of her health right there. Damn. This is the point where I actually learned (laughs) that you can use it on enemies like that. Like, I didn't know you could cut off limbs until I got to this boss. Jesus. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't cut off any limbs at all. Like, I think the, the one fight that really in well, I mean, I don't think you can get past it without doing it is, um, God, what's the bald head dude? I'm Sundowner. Yeah. Yeah. That so like the by the time, time you get there, yeah, you kind of have to, you know, I mean, there's no other way you can beat it without doing that. Yeah. And that was the first time I used the uh, blade mode uh, was on him. What? Well, I mean, for, I mean, as far as blade bosses, mode on a boss, on yeah. a boss. I, I'm, I'm, that, that still baffles me. Dude, it's just because like, I'm telling you, like it, it's, it didn't. I I didn't think about it using on this chick, right? And then mm. uh so you get to the next level. Like we'll we'll, we'll skip okay, skip. Okay, ahead. my question okay, I have a question. So Go you ahead. know how on normal enemies, once you do enough damage, the screen flashes blue, indicating that you can do a Zandatsu and actually kill them, right? Sure. Did you not notice that when you were fighting the bosses? I thought it was kind of like a screenshot, like uh, you know, like a cinematic, like, oh you've got to the next phase. So I didn't know oh, that. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't want to laugh, but that is funny. No, nah, it's cool because, like, I, did, I didn't know. Because, like, a lot of times when I got to that, I didn't have the meter to do. Well, I guess I did. I just didn't know. And the, and the bosses, um, yeah. Yeah, because so, I was about to say, no, I didn't know. your meter on if you're not using it on play mode. Yeah, so... Uh, I I tried to use it uh, on the next boss on the on the next level, mm-hmm. but uh, let me let me just you you want to talk about that level? This is like where you get the the actual story of the game. I feel like this is when the story starts to show. There's up. a little bit of a gap between Mistral and the next guy, right? With the guy with the side. Yeah, I, I don't okay. know. Like you you end up going like one of the things you go to Mech. You globetrot. <laughs> yeah, you globetrot in this game. So you go from some Middle Eastern, like you start in Africa, then the next level you're in Middle East, then the next level you're in Mexico. And uh, you, you are in some uh, sewer. You're in the sewers of Mexico by these facilities, and you're trying to sneak in and uh, whatever, and you find a uh, an orphan who basically is like, yo, they've 
kidnapped a bunch of us and they're using our brains. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Go ahead. You got to use that his intro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah. This dude, George, is like, he's, they're in Mexico, but he has like a Jamaican accent, right? That's the best part. But no, I'm, I'm talking about before you even meet George, when you're in that limo, before you go into the sewer. Oh, oh. riding? What he's oh, wearing? When, when you get oh, to, uh, the sombrero. Yeah, yeah, the dude yeah. is wearing a mariachi. I, I, man, I wrote down his Mexican outfit was racist. <laughs> so Did anybody kinda... equip that as their costume? Yep, right. Yeah, I played that. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the game with that. See, I yeah. wanted to, but it cost too much. I was trying oh, to get money my well up. spent. Yeah, that was money well spent. I, I I could actually use that. I couldn't use anything else I bought. <laughs> That's how you one hit KO Sam. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah. but the premise of that mission is like you're quote unquote going on another stealth mission, and I forget who Ryden's talking to through his codex system, but he's like, "Oh, I hope you're dressed for the occasion, and I hope you're not going to stick out very much." It's Kevin. He's talking to him. Just, huh? He's talking to the black guy. Go ahead. Okay, he's talking to Kevin. <laughs> hey, man, I hope I hope you're, you know, not going to do anything stupid. And then it pans to this shot of riding. You can just see, like, a little bit of his head in a sombrero. And he's like, yeah, I'm ready for the occasion or something like that. Then he walks out of the car in this full, like, poncho, sombrero. And then there's, like, a couple guys walking past. And they're speaking in Spanish. And they're like, what's up with this dude? What's going on? And it's like, we need to get out of here before he goes into the sewer. Yeah, it's kind of silly. I appreciated it, though. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you're in the sewers, and you, you find this this orphan named George. You save him, and he kind of tells you that a lot of orphans are being kidnapped, and their brains are being removed and shipped to the United States. And then uh, you kind of do a little reconnaissance, and there's one section, this is, I, I really like this section, was uh, you get to control one of those little eyeball creatures I was talking about with the three arms. And mm-hmm. you can kind of control one of those and infiltrate a, a section and take out everybody in the room, uh, the next room, and then let yourself in. And I wish there was more of this in this game. <laughs> I really like that. I'm assuming that's a Metal Gear I was about to say you need to play Metal yeah. Gear Solid. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that. Like, um, like I said, I, I was trying to play this game stealthily because I did I couldn't do the combat. So uh, there was a lot of like chilling in the box, waiting for the enemies to turn around and all that stuff. And so I appreciated like a. I think this was the only like moment or sequence in the game where it was like a another play on like the stealth mechanics in this game. Pretty much, and uh, so I appreciated that. Um, and I, and I wonder if there's just not more um, parts in the game like that because maybe the short dev cycle that they had for it, they just didn't have time to implement things like that, or maybe they just they want to just throw it in as like a cool one side thing. Probably kind of like panel botch to like, hey, you can do this in this other game. We got to add this little touch of Metal Gear and this, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I thought it was cool, and uh, but ultimately you find out uh, you find Sundowner in the facility, and he's working with this Senator Armstrong, who's the senator of the uh, state of Colorado. And you find out that 
them two are working together. So it's like, oh, Desperado is working together with the senator. What do they have planned? Oh, they're the ones that are stealing this children's brains and turning them into killers by putting them into cybernetic bodies to become soldiers, kind of like how Raiden is. And so uh, you got to... You you end up like in this standoff, and you get to rescue you rescue George and the other orphans from this Quote, guy. Rescue George quote slash him in half. <laughs> you slash him in half? I thought you just cut his arm. See, I didn't off. know that the first time, but no, you cut off all of that kid stuff aside from like one arm and his head. Oh well, I didn't know that. I thought you just cut his arm. Basically, this 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 doctor is like, yo, you want to save like you you're in, you see these kids in a room in a glass room or you know uh, a room with a glass window you can look in and they're being affected by the experiments. They're writhing in pain and then this doctor has like a gun to the head of George in the room with you and you don't have your sword out and he's kind of like make a choice the life of one or the life of many and then. George is like, okay, brother. You know, like he's like pretty good, George. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how he sounds. But he was like, you know, on three, and or you're not not on three, but uh, you know, like and he kind of like ducks and brings the guy down and uh Raiden kind of slashes that dude up. And I, I I the way they made it play out, like you don't find out what happens at the end of the chapter. Um, but you see George later on and I, I thought he just had bandages on his arm, but I guess he got cut up. So whatever. <laughs> the character's whack. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're on my favorite level. Denver. Right? Nobody likes this level? Is I'm the only one that likes this level? Um <sighs> This is my favorite level, Denver. So this is mission uh, three, mission four, I think. Yeah, mission four. It's mission four. Okay. And um, this one, you're like basically you're in the streets of Denver. You're trying to get to this headquarters, and um, you basically have to sneak into this skyscraper type building and fight your way up. And there's a lot of different. You're in a skyscraper type environment so like the environment is kind of like they they do a a lot of cool things to like not make it seem so samey so there's like there's a sequence where you're in like conference rooms and stuff and that was like my favorite part because you got to sneak around in the box and uh kill the enemies and you had to destroy these things to unlock the elevator so you could go up higher and then uh there's uh another sequence um later on when you're uh escaping the building uh or you're no you're earlier on you're holding down the building with the turret like people are infiltrating it and there's these turret guns and you can kind of shoot everybody as they're trying to get up the stairs to you and then there's another sequence where like the these helicopters are shooting out these uh the windows of the building trying to get at you and you just got a ninja run and you just run by everybody and I don't know. Like, there was a lot of variety in this section, but I also like this because the boss for this is Monsoon, another one of the uh, um, Desperado for uh, lieutenants, and this is where I learned how to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no BSing your way through Monsoon. 
he was my favorite boss. Like this was my favorite. I think because I, I like this level so much is because this boss, like he was mad cool. Like, um, and I guess one thing that we should probably mention, like right before you get to monsoon, there's a lot of kind of quote unquote character development for Raiden because he's being psychologically affected. Monsoon casts a spell where he can essentially, well, Raiden essentially can hear the thoughts of the people he's about to slice up. So it's like, oh man, I didn't want to sign up for this. I just had two kids and blah, blah, blah. And it kind of makes Raiden go crazy for a little bit. But then right before the fight, he kind of gets, I forget if Sam's the one that talks it into him or what, but his bloodlust from being a child soldier way back in the day starts sprouting up. My dude goes psycho. He tells doctor to turn off his like pain receptors. (laughs) So are his like, he basically his suit makes it so he doesn't feel any pain and he has the doctor turn it off. And then I, I think he gets stabbed in the stomach or something like that. And he's like, he was stabbed like, in the stomach before, and then he tells him to turn it on. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, he feels it, and he just lets out a yell, and then he just goes psycho. And then it unlocks uh, Ripper Mode, which is... His old um, childhood name was Jack the Ripper. Yeah. And so Ripper Mode, to me, trivialized the combat. <laughs> a little bit. So that I think partly that's why I learned how to play was because I had Ripper mode, and the way to get in the Ripper mode was you click in, I think, both thumbsticks, right? Yeah. And uh, it was basically the same meter as you use for uh, Blade mode, but uh, it builds up whenever you strike enemies, but uh, you could either choose to use Blade mode or Ripper mode, and Ripper mode was just basically like, enemies with armor, what armor? You were just like cutting them up, and you were just... It, it, it went down a lot quicker. You used the meter, like, like that, but um, you could stun dots a lot faster too. Yeah. So you could get Ripper mode and just kind of stay in it as long as you kept getting those electrolytes. Yeah, it, it was it was cool though. I I, I like Ripper mode, and then uh, yeah. So that that gets introduced to you right before you fight against Monsoon, and Monsoon he was a a super cool character to me because he's like a long lanky individual and the way his cyber suit worked was that his body was bits and pieces that were like I guess magnetically uh attracted so like he could stretch his body out and there would be gaps in between his body so at some points in the level you're fighting him and you swing and his body just contorts in a way that he's you're blade just completely misses his body and like i literally like the first time i fought him and i I died to him a couple times i used like grenades on him i used rockets on him i use this is when i tried to use uh ninja or blade mode for the first time was on him at this sequence because you get you get his life down to like 60 percent, and then he starts doing he's in this like weird mode and I was like, I'm trying everything I can to hit this dude and nothing is working. And then that's when I found out, oh, you have to parry. Oh, I have to learn how to parry. And so that fighting monsoon kind of taught me this game because there's another sequence that he has, like a, a state he has where you get he uh, basically whips up like a tornado cloud. Uh, it's like it's low visibility. And then he kind of just teleports in front of you and is about to attack 
and he's basically teleporting at different sections around your body. You have to parry all these attacks. And uh, so that helped me out with the parrying. And then he also had another mode too, where he was throwing like SUVs and helicopters and stuff at you. And the only way you couldn't dodge them, you had to go into blade mode and cut the vehicles up before they hit you. And I thought that was like a super, super cool aspect of like a, a cool way of utilizing blade mode. And that's kind of when I learned like, oh, you can use blade mode in boss fights. So I, I shout out to Monsoon. He was instrumental in me like in this game. Real <laughs> possibly even finishing it. <laughs> He's the real MVP. He's my favorite character in this game, even more than Raiden. <laughs> I so, thought it was interesting that they um, introduced Monsoon and Mistral the way they did. Um because you know you see Sundowner and Jetstream like in the beginning of the game. I'm thinking we're gonna run through a whole team of these um Winds of Destruction, I think is the name of their team. I don't know, I just call them Desperados. Yeah, I don't know their name specifically. I know they're called Desperado, like Marcus is saying, but I think that might be their code name for their little sect of that. Is Trevor dead? Oh, no, I'm still here. Uh, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I got, I really, really, really liked his fight. And this is honestly also when the story kind of got weird because he said something. I wrote it down. Memes the DNA of the soul. And... <laughs> <laughs> and you're, he's, I think Sam, not, I'm saying Sam, uh, I think Raiden says your memes in here. And then this was when I was like, okay, is, are they talking about memes like what I know? Or is there like a Metal Gear word for memes that I'm supposed to know what this is? No, Metal, I think Metal Gear heads check in. I think they mean memes in the actual like, since that we know them, it's just saying that culture has a way of like building itself based off of experiences, things that we see on a day to day basis. This is a lot of like Kojimaism right here, but essentially he's saying like how the internet culture affects who we are as people. But I'm- yeah, it's just <laughs> the most extravagant way of saying it. <laughs> It, it was a very, very, very weird conversation, and I was like, "Wait, wait, what did he say?" Because like, I don't think Mistral really had any type of like dialogue beforehand. You know, she was like, she did talk to you, and then it was just like, "Yo, here are my six arms, let's go." And like, the first boss you fight in this game is a robot, so this is like the first time a character kind of has like monologue prior to you fighting them. And it was just like, yo, what is this dude is crazy. What is he talking about? And little did I know, little did I know that this was only the beginning. Um, It gets better. Oh yeah. One thing I was going to say though (laughs) about the bosses, isn't it kind of interesting that they start talking to you after you slice them into like a million different pieces? Yeah, I didn't understand that either. Uh, one of the things you get, I, I guess, after you kill a boss is they have some type of, like, 
<laughs> was it like a voice voice memo or something that gets played an audio log gets played and it kind of like oh you killed me or blah 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 and then they kind of like reveal their intentions or their motives or whatever i don't know it, it's kind of weird um is there any explanation is that a metal gear thing <laughs> don't they kind of go into that <laughs> like later on like a metal wow. gear thing is like having like these long drawn out conversations after you yeah kill. these long end of life like epiphany slash like my last word type because <laughs> yeah that's very metal gear this game is weird yo <laughs> <laughs> um yeah yeah so uh shoot what do you you um you end up infiltrating this building and you end up for some reason you have to fight all the bosses you've already fought again. I don't understand that because, like, I I thought they were dead, but you have to fight them again, and then you end up on a rooftop and you have to fight Sundowner. And I, uh, I thought his fight was kind of cool too. So Sundowner is this big, bulky dude in a mech suit, and so like his ability is, um, first of all, like. I thought that everybody has to fight him with like, he has like a helicopter ally with him because you're on a rooftop. But I think Dante said he didn't have to deal with the helicopter. So did you have to deal with one, Greg and Trevor? Cause I did. Yeah. Nope. Okay. So the newbies that had to deal with it. Okay. That's fair. I wonder if that's a, like a PC version thing or something. Greg, you played on normal or hard? Uh, normal. Okay, so it's not a difficulty thing. I really don't know that because I vaguely remember what you guys are talking about when I played that back on sixty. But um, basically, you're you're in a boss fight, and this helicopter is laying down suppressing fire, <laughs> and like when you're running around in ninja mode, it's trivial. It's like whatever, and even even when you're like swinging on a dude, you're losing like one two percent of life. But it also shoots rockets at you, and that like jacks you up because like i said one of the things that i've had issues with is like when you get hit by a rocket or like a heavy projectile that you have to have to watch the getting up animation and that just leaves you free for more damage and more attacks so because of that in this fight i had that uh homing missile thing equipped the entire fight so like you could shoot down the the helicopter and then, like, you could fight freely for, like, a minute, and then another one comes. So I, I kept having to rely on my homing missiles in order to be able to fight this boss one-on-one. Is that something you did, Trevor? Did you not think of that? Or Yeah, so like, you had a lot of issues like, with this. like Greg mentioned earlier, um, kind of using your blade mode on this boss was integral to, to killing him. So whenever that helicopter would shoot missiles at you it would interrupt your blade mode yep (laughs) and so you kind of had to take it down and that's when i had the majority of my issues with accessing the menu to change weapons because you know when it starts you off at a checkpoint you start off with whatever weapons you had at the end up to that that checkpoint and i had grenades equipped when i really needed my homing missile equipped and having to change it out while the boss is charging at you, the helicopter shooting at you just adds insult to injury. Yeah, like it's like we're we're saying like I think I mentioned earlier, like yeah, like it, the way that 
I and maybe Trevor had to do this to get into that menu was you had to go into ninja run mode and run all the way to the other side of the screen or whatever to create some breathing room. But these boss characters, they just dash and they're in your face again. So it's not just like, oh, you can just run for, you know, five seconds and then you're, you're, you know, you're good to go. It's like, no, you have to run and I'm just mashing the right D-pad and it's like, oh, I can't access it. I can't access it. And then it's like, oh, damn, he's here. Let me run away now. And (laughs) so I, I, I luckily, um, I, I ended up figuring out the ninja mode stuff on this boss because like, like, well, I guess I shouldn't say figure out because you had to do it on, on this. But I killed myself a couple times because I was having issues lining up your your blade to the points that you needed to hit on his shield in order to cut his shield down. Um, so one thing that I know that you weren't able to do because just the way we talked about the game, you didn't get to dodge until Sam was um, on Sundowner. Anytime you saw him about to put his shield up, and his shield's essentially explosive, so it would damage you. If you dodge for your like last hit before he does his shield push or whatever you want to call it, you pretty much get right behind him and don't take any damage. So you can kind of take him down without even having to worry about any of that like horizontal, vertical blade mode slashing. Oh, I didn't know that. You could parry his shield charge. I found that out. Oh, yeah, that's super helpful. Yeah, he that's that's free. what I ended up doing, was parrying his shield charge. Yeah. But I still had to figure out how to get his shield away. And that was like, I literally died two or three times in blade mode trying to line up my sword and hitting two of the three and taking damage. And it was kind of frustrating because it's like, I want to quickly line these up before the helicopter shoots at me. And so I died a couple times, like, being pressured because of that stupid helicopter. But he was... Go ahead. I was going to say, so I was withholding some information because I thought you guys were going to get super salty on the last boss. And I previously heard some of your um, frustrations about the game not explaining mechanics. What if I told you that you could do a horizontal slash by just hitting X and a vertical slash by just hitting Y? That's what I was using. Yeah, that's what I was using but, too. But still, okay, at the so same you guys time, do that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So when you're in your, when you're in blade mode, you still have to use the left stick in order to line it up. Yeah. See, and that that's because I had been. So using I that. thought you had to actually do the motion with the thumbstick to do the slices. Up until I fought the final boss the first time through my. First oh, okay. Yeah. So and that I stuff always, is next to impossible. Yeah. So I did. Um, X and X and Y the entire game up till this boss. <laughs> I was just doing, you know, just cutting people in the crosses. <laughs> and I didn't know that you could like angle it until this boss. But you don't want to angle it on this boss since he not, has, not uh, angle it, but change like you couldn't oh, with the left thumbstick. Yeah. Yeah, you could like kind of turn it so when you were doing a clean slash, it was like, you know, at a 14 degree angle instead of being, you know, just that 90 and zero. See, the way I thought of it, I thought you always had to do left thumbstick and right thumbstick. Essentially, left thumbstick was like up or down, and then gotcha. right thumbstick was. Gotcha. The, yeah, that's really hard. <laughs> See, just y'all talking about it is, you know, still frustrates me because I ended up giving up trying to um, hit those things precisely. And I realized after dying about 20 times that once you um, 
once you parry his shield bash move mm-hmm. um, and you go into that quick time event where you're mashing either X or Y, after you um, open him up and go into blade mode, two of his limbs will be exposed and you can actually slash those limbs off and get rid of parts of his shield. Yeah. yeah. They're light blue. I didn't realize that because I could never time that parry right. And so I was just trying to take him down by, you know, moving around him, like behind him whenever he put up his shield. Oh, wow. And then slashing him in the back. Because once he gets down to about 50 or 60%, it's like his his health or his shield goes up and he takes less damage. It's hard out here, man. It's hard out so, here. <laughs> this is something I meant to bring up earlier. What did you guys use as your primary sub-weapon? So for me... I use the pole arm you get from Mistral. And in my opinion, that trivialized almost 90% of the regular enemy encounters. And it was really good on bosses too. Uh, like I, Even like the heavy dudes, they, they would put them in a stun state where they couldn't move forward on me and they couldn't attack me. Uh, I used the pole arm as well. So I used it mostly because it, she, he swung it around him. So mm-hmm. you could like kind of attack in a 360-degree motion. And so, yeah. yeah I nothing used to could really on. get close to you at that point. Yeah. Um, I ended up using the, I guess it was the scissors. I ended up using that towards the, for most of the game, I didn't even use a sub-weapon, I guess. Um, and I think around mission five or four, I can't remember. I ended up using the scissors. Okay. Yeah, same here. I didn't use any sub-weapons until I got the scissors. But that's mainly because I spent all of my BP on health, skills, and then upgrading my strength on my main weapon. Like, I spent all my money on health and um, upgrading... The mariachi costume? The mariachi costume and uh, upgrading or enhancing my... uh, my sword, and then I enhanced my pole arm too. And at that point, like I enhanced that twice before I even had any other sub weapon. And by the time I got other sub weapons, I was like, I already put money into this. I ain't switching. <laughs> so, one thing that I did see on our clear results page, we all took a screen cap of the in game results. And Trevor and Marcus's BP was at like, 200,000. Mine was about at 400,000. And I'm not entirely sure why, because as far as ranks go, we pretty much got the same thing. I'm not sure if it was because of the difficulty level they gave me more BP. But. Uh, well, didn't you go into Zandatsu mode more than them? So doesn't that also give you a little bit more? I, I guess it does, but I didn't think it was that big because I watched like. At least, like, the BP that I got from opening chests and stuff didn't seem that huge. And it didn't seem like I was making a huge ton aside from, like, okay, this mission in this chapter is done. I get this, like, 4,500 BP boost at this point. So I was pretty much able to 100% upgrade my main sword. And I was able to 100% upgrade the sword, the pole arm. So I'm wondering if that's why I had such an easy time compared to what I remember having the first time I went through the game? I don't I mean, know. Nobody has the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, but. I don't know. I, I think maybe it might have to do with the difficulty. Who knows? Um, 
Yeah. But uh, anyways, I, I, I think Sundowner, He, I, I really like fighting this dude. It was another cool boss fight. Um, and then I think that immediately, like, like you beat him and then it immediately fought leads into a fight, uh, you, a cutscene, helicopter, whatever, you jump out and then you fight Sam, right? <laughs> Isn't that the next level? Yeah. No, no, I take, well, you're escaping Denver is the next level and it's super short. Then the next level is, uh, you fight Sam in the desert and uh jet stream sam and i think this is i think this is your favorite boss right trevor um <laughs> you know what sure no no it wasn't no. <laughs> uh yeah so you fight sam and this is i guess i mean he's been around he's been in a lot of cutscenes. uh uh leading up to this game. So you've run into him a couple times since he's jacked you up, but like you haven't fought. And then at this point you're like, there's no talking. We're going to fight. So you and Sam like draw swords and then it's on. And presumably he's, he kind of appears to be the final boss at that moment. Cause there's like, you don't really know who Sam's answering to for real. For real. That's why I didn't think he was the final boss because it was like, ah, oh, we haven't finished this, but he's like the last of the desperados in theory. Like you beat the leader, and this is the the right hand man, but he's the dude that jacked you up, so he's like the only one worthy of fighting you apparently because like you've dispatched all the others. And uh, this fight is, I I don't like this fight. <laughs> I, I will say one thing though. I think in this game, I was at my peak during this fight. Like, I was at my very best fighting Sam. <laughs> you were, like, challenging for the number one headband. Like, once once I figured out... He unlocked exactly, the Trev the Ripper mode. I don't know what it was, but I figured out, like, the, the best way to use the weapons I had because I was using the scissors um, as my sub-weapon at that point. And, um... Like I was basically parrying almost everything and going in two hits backing up, you know, I was, you know, bobbing and weaving. I was in there like, like the champ. <laughs> I was getting jacked up, dude. <laughs> Cause like for me, like I would run up on dude and then I would like, all right, I parried. And then, like, he he would do like a, a, a like a swing and then it would give you the blips. So I'm like, parry and then I hit, I, I parry the first one, then I get hit three times, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, I didn't know. And, like, there was one point when you get him, like, 60% life, where he's, like, he just does, like, a, a sword out. Yeah, you knock the sword out of his hand. And what he does is, like, he, like, kind of, like, struts, and then you, like, run up on him, swing, and then he dashes away from you. And then, so, like, you run up on him and swing. He dashes away from you. So I'm like, okay, what do I have to do? Because he's not, like, this is not interacting. Like, this is not causing him to swing at me. So, like, I, I kind of dashed up on him and I didn't swing. And then he started, he did a kick move and I parried it. And then I swung. He lost 1% and dashed away. And then I just rinse repeat that. And, like, it literally took me, like, four minutes to bring him down, like, 9%. It was like, this is... Am I doing something wrong? Like, what do you guys do at that part? 
So I kind of treat it like the monsoon fight where you can't really damage monsoon for a little while after he goes into his separated state. So it was just kind of one of those things where I mostly tried to survive, but I did do a little bit of damage using like the ninja slash or whatever you want to call it and just kind of bided my time. This fight was whack. This was my least favorite fight in this game. Like, ugh. Oh, so another thing Another thing that helped me out was I started off this fight with um, zero health packs. Um, I figured out, because I think um, he kicked me into one of the rocks, but there's health inside the rocks. Tight. <laughs> yeah, so if you run around and just break up the rocks, you can find health. Greg? Um... I didn't really have like a big issue with it. I got, I guess I kind of got used to the, the timing of his attacks. And then I would just kind of, um, after I would parry, I would just kind of run up on him, kind of do the ninja slash. And then I want to say there's like, at some point there's like a weakened state that he goes into and then you can kind of hack at him right then. And then it kind of goes back into it after that. Yeah. That, that happened as well. Yeah. But overall, like he, he was my least favorite fight and then after you kill him like we said like you get a everybody's weapon and you get to hear a uh a dying words and you find out that oh he uh was not as cybernetically enhanced as anybody else so he was more human i guess like he was that good of a swordsman slash soldier that he didn't need that many uh I guess cyborg manipulation to his body and uh, his sword was uh, like passed down to him by his grandfather. So I guess it's kind of like he's like a true samurai or whatever, you know, and uh, his voice uh, dying words are locked. You don't even get to hear them. So um, that was kind of like, kind of like, Oh, this dude is kind of badass. Like he was an honorable opponent, even if like, he had to go, <laughs> you know? Uh, and then it, you start up the final mission, which is you, takes place in Pakistan. And it's pretty, uh, I actually did this. I snuck through majority. Well, I snuck through half of this level without having to fight people. So that was cool. And uh, this one to me, like I, I haven't played the game, but like I said, I, I watched Dante play a little bit. I was like, is this like right before Metal Gear 5? Because like, it's like in the desert with rocks, and it kind of made me think of the same spots as in Phantom Pain. Is that where that one it's, takes place? Phantom Pain's mostly in Africa, I'd like to say, but the environment is very similar as far as like an open hangar out in the middle of nowhere where you can okay. just kind of have this open world encounter with all these guards, so... You're not very far off with that. Situation. Yeah, I was just like, this is, as far as I know, this was the the only Metal Gear that came out before that one. So I thought maybe this one was right before that, but that was just a random aside. But uh, anyways, you you know, you get through and I don't remember what prompts it, but there's like spider mech crawling out the ground and you see it's this senator, Senator... Um, Armstrong from the Colorado Senator and he's manning the spider uh, mech. It's very, like it's I, I said, it's like a new wave 
Wild Wild West. Like he's like the the dude, the the, the final villain in Wild Wild West, uh, man in that spider mech. And uh, this fight, I actually died. It's like sequences, uh, different stages. The spider stage or sequence, I think I died more on this part than I did on the second part. But this is when Darren blessed us with the the ability to dodge. He kind of said, hey, if you hit these two buttons, you dodge. And I had ran, you know, the past four and a half hours playing without knowing you could dodge. Um, and once he told me that, then I was like, okay, cool. And I immediately started to implement that into my button mashing. And, uh, I was able to avoid a lot of damage that I would not have been able to avoid otherwise. So, uh, that was super helpful. The high level strats, the high level strats, (laughs) dodge. (laughs) I thought you could just attack, (laughs) But um, yeah. Uh, I think the, the the spider. When you guys like, from what I was hearing from Dante, he was saying that hey, like uh, this is uh the salt inducing. People don't finish this game because of the final boss. And I'm like, you know, I'm assuming there's multiple stages, but I don't know how many. So I'm like, oh, this spider thing is not that hard. So I was kind of like scared a little bit because it was just like, man, like, it, do I have to fight all the stages if I die? Like, I was already thinking about that because I was like, I know I'm going to die on this boss a lot, but uh, how many times, how many stages am I have to fight? And uh, his first stage was pretty trivial. Would you agree, Trevor? Yeah, I didn't find any part of the first stage hard. He even like kills some of the um yeah the ads enemies. for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only reason, by the way, the only reason I'm, I'm asking Trevor is because he's the only newbie. Like, I'm assuming it was easy for you two. Yeah, it wasn't anything. Ain't no thing. Too bad. It was a little frustrating, though, when you parried those giant mech arms of his and you still took damage even though you parried. When you get hit by the laser? No, like, at the very first phase, when he brings those two blades above your head, if you parry those, you still take a little bit of damage. You can parry the blades. Them. Yeah, I just dodged yeah. them. Yeah, you know it. No, because they were yellow. They flashed yellow. Yeah. All the parable stuff flashes. <laughs> no, the, the no, parable stuff flashes red. Uh, yeah, the, the hmm. parable stuff flashes red, and the stuff that you can't parry, the unblockable stuff is yellow. Maybe I'm colorblind. Maybe it's different, Maybe it's on, different PC. on PC. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, because totally uh, like block those with a parry, but it would do like five to ten percent of your health, regardless. Oh, which yeah, wasn't I, that bad of a trade off since you could instantly go into slashing right afterwards. Yeah, I know those lasers. I I died a couple times with the lasers of the spider because I was swinging on the little gecko things, and mm-hmm. you get hit by the laser once, and then it just it it sweeps the ground. So you end up getting hit three times, and every time you get hit, it's twenty percent damage. So you lose like thirty percent, da- or you lose sixty percent damage in one sweep of that laser, and it's unavoidable if you get hit with the first one. And it was frustrating. That was like, I died like five times just on the lasers uh, of the boss. Um, but yeah, after that, then you fight, uh, you, you destroy the mech, and Armstrong hops out the mech. And then he juices up with like 
nanobots or something? Nano machines, son. Yeah, like these nano machines get into a system and like he. All right, so this dude is a politician, <laughs> and he gets these nanobots into him. He looks like I, I called him in the game. I said he looks like Drew Carey. Uh, like as a normal politician, and then these nanobots get into him, and he gets buff. He's like built like the Rock, or he's really even bigger. He's like a Gears of War type of character at that point, and um, he starts like turning, like his skin turns black when he's beating, and he just like whoops your ass. Like, and it's a cutscene, and you just have to take it. And this is when he goes into his spiel. And this is why we picked this game, right? <laughs> this, this, is, is I, this is easily the best part of the game. So this this is why I had to endure like all those trials and all those tribulations. <laughs> all you know, all that death was because of this part of the game. And I, and I remember, I, um, I don't know if you guys listened to the Bombcast when Jeff had talked about this game. I think it came up on their Game of the Year podcast, but. Um, he had the same sentiments where, like, he really disliked the game up until this point. That's pretty good. I mean, you, you. I mean, I'm gonna need one of you guys to go into like what what is happening. This is the reason why we played this game, right? <laughs> I, I can't tell you. We go into like that. Like they have that Metal Gear Scanlan feature where Dan Reichert, probably the biggest Metal Gear enthusiast in the internet in the world, probably um, led Drew Scanlan, another Giant Bomb member through all the Metal Gear games. And they ended with Metal Gear Rising. And they did it, let's see, December, like early December of last year. And when they hit that line, there's just this really surreal moment when he just said, make America great again. <laughs> and that game came out 2013? Yeah. February 2013? I just yeah. need uh, just just so like I, I pulled up a couple of articles too, but like like so this boss goes into his spiel about his basically why he's doing what he's doing, and do you do you can you explain or do you have that on hand, Trevor or, or I mean, uh, Greg or Dante? I can't really even explain exactly exactly what it all means, but. He starts with, I have a dream. Mm. <laughs> I have a dream that I one day that every part. person... Huh? I was done at that part. <laughs> <laughs> you can stick a fork in me. Essentially, what he's saying is, um, let's see, one day every person in the nation will control their own destiny. A land truly free, a nation of action, not words, ruled by strength, not committee where the law changes to suit the individual, not the other way around, where power and justice are back where they belong, in the hands of the people, where every man is free to think, to act for himself. Stuff about limptic lawyers and bureaucrats. <laughs> Let's see. Then he talks about the 24-hour internet <laughs> spew of trivia. <laughs> and then he says, F American pride, F the media, F all of it. America is diseased. Rotten to the core. There's no saving it. We need to pull it out by the roots. Wipe the slate clean. Burn it down. And from the ashes, a new er- a new America will be born. Evolved, but untamed. The weak will be purged, and the strong will thrive. Free to live as they see fit. 
they'll make America great again. In my new America, people will die and kill for what they believe, not for money, not for oil, not for what they're told is right. Every man will be free to fight his own wars. Mic drop. <laughs> and like it's he's he's doing this as you're like he's beating on you. He's like does this speech and then you're like, you know, beating and you know, just laying there taking it and he like delivers this super passionate speech and like I just it's this is moments I can't remember if this is moments before or after he just talks about like um Raiden criticizes him. He's like, Oh, you probably went to some Ivy League school or something like that. And then he's like, Try University of Texas. <laughs> Could have gone pro if I hadn't joined the Navy. I'm not one of those beltweight pansies. I could break the president in two with my bare hands. Don't F with this senator. <laughs> yeah. It's, and doesn't it's, he like throw you and then kick you at that point? Yo, he punts you and then he, he literally like gets you into like a ball and he punts you and then it hits like the mech and then you hear like a crowd cheer like it's at a football game. <laughs> then it goes slow-mo. <laughs> it's so ridiculous at this point. And like I, I don't I was not expecting this. And this is like I don't think what, anybody what is going on, you know? And like like I said, I, I when he said the make America great again, it was just kind of like, like I didn't have anybody to like look around at, but I was like, Whoa, what is happening? And like, I, I, like I said, I pulled up a couple of articles and you can kind of just Google like Metal Gear rising Trump. And, um, there's a couple of articles about, you know, his politics and just how this care is. He's a cartoonish character of the worst elements of our politics. And uh, <laughs> he's spouting <laughs> "Make America Great Again," <laughs> and, and that's kind of what makes it so Metal Gear. Because even though this is a lot more jokey tonally than Metal Gear, this is exactly the type of stuff Kojima puts in his games. It's like very forward thinking, and like he can see patterns in how stuff often turns out. <laughs> it's just, it's just crazy, man. Like it was. I don't know, like, <laughs> I, I kind of like what Greg was saying. Like, I I felt a certain way about this game uh, early on, and it, it was getting better. It was getting better as I um, progressed, and I was getting more familiar and comfortable with the combat. But, like, this kind of, like, my enjoyment of this game was, did, like, almost like a 180. It was like a, you know, a, a 105. <laughs> uh <laughs> When I got to this park, I'm like, what the heck? This is ridiculous. And, uh, yeah. Ever since it got on this list, way back in, like, August or whatever, when we set this all up, I'm like, I cannot wait for everybody to be reminded of this line <laughs> and just kind of have to process it in 2017. It's kind of like, like, all right, so, like, this article that I have pulled up, too. So, like, during this encounter with this guy you swing your sword at him and he kind of just catches it and he breaks your sword and then your dog in this cutscene delivers you sam's sword and then uh you find out that oh um sam's voice recorder he had told it you know whatever like hey you're gonna get this sword in a couple hours or blah 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 
But like at this point, so with this article that I had pulled up, he was saying, so like throughout the game, Raiden insists, Raiden insists that his sword is a tool of justice. He is the protector of the weak. He holds onto an idealistic notion of samurai justice. His rival is Sam. Uh, his rival is Sam, a cocky swordsman who dismisses Raiden's idealism as impractical in the modern age. During the fight with Armstrong, the senator breaks Raiden's sword. He symbolically crushes the representation of Raiden's idealism. It is only by fighting with Sam's sword that Raiden can defeat Armstrong. So it's basically like he had to change his tactics and just how he approached this dude and like his politics in order to defeat him. And I thought that was like a cool, like paragraph from this article. It's, I, this article is, it's, it's, it's whatever, but like, I, I really appreciated how the author wrote about that. And like I said, there was, this article was written right before the election. And then there was another article that I read that was written right after the inauguration. So like, there's a couple of different perspectives, but it, it, it's just really, it's cool to see that, like you said, this game came out in 2013. And I don't want to say, like, everybody's like, there was a Reddit thread, did did Metal Gear Rising predict Trump? And it's like, mm, uh, <laughs> I mean, at the same time, he's, he's representative of a senator. So it could have been based on, you know, an, an actual senator. I, I think it's a, a very extreme, like, like, character of like this is where this could lead to and unfortunately it was i mean this game takes place in 2018 so unfortunately he wasn't that far off from uh uh, kojima right that's his name yeah i don't know i don't think kojima officially wrote this one it was more like Platinum that did the... All right, well, whoever did the, the story was not that far off from when a politician of this, with these types... It was of- very timely like Kojima, though. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So it was uh, it was really kind of cool. Like, it's, like I said, like I don't know if I would have appreciated this game had I played it in 2013 when it came out, but playing it in 2017, I have like a... I, I don't know. It, it makes it a little bit more endearing for me. I, you guys were the ones that played it. I, how long ago did you guys play it? Does it does it seem does it how does it seem now versus when you played it the first time? Your initial reaction. So personally, I, I think I enjoyed it more this time. I remember struggling a little bit the um, my original playthrough back in twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. Whenever I got to got around to it. But just one, I had enough time to kind of step away from it being different than the other Metal Gears, had some time to, I guess, change my expectations of what it was doing. I got a really good feel for the combat as well. So I think that also helped my enjoyment of the game in general. So I think my overall takeaway from this game is more positive than it was before which was already pretty high, but I might say this might be my favorite Platinum game at this point. It's very close to the Bayonetta's. I can, I can see that. Oh, uh, well, I, I've only played a handful. Well, I played four Platinum games. This is my least favorite one. 
But like that's not like that's not like a knock. Like they're all really, really, really good games, you know? Yeah, like even with all the negative stuff you've said, I I still don't get the impression that you think this is a bad game. Yeah, I, I don't think this is a bad game. I, I think that my impressions are more coming from a new person. So like I think this game is a it's a short game, but it is like highly good. replayable kind of. Yeah, yeah. So like like I like I think Trevor might be able to back me up on this, but like he was saying he felt like he grasped the combat once he got to that fight with Sam. And uh, maybe not that part for me, but like I feel way more confident in combat now than I did, you know, at hour two, at hour three or whatever. So if I were to go back and play this game, I think a lot of the issues that I had initially would be trivialized and that, you know, I wouldn't be an issue. I think the other thing too is I wasn't expecting it to have this type of gameplay. And, you know, typically when you jump into games, if it's like a new IP, sometimes if it's not a genre that's kind of, you know, been done several times, it's going to give you somewhat of like a grab bag of things, you know, to kind of please everybody to kind of ease, ease you into the type of gameplay. Whereas this one has a very specific type of gameplay. It's, it's very hack and slash. And it it was kind of different from what I was expecting. So I think that's another reason why the gameplay or the game itself might be kind of polarizing is because it's for a specific audience, like for people who want to play this or people who are expecting this type of game they might not enjoy playing this because it's it's so different. There's no medium. Yeah, it does one thing and it it does it. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh ultimately obviously you end up <laughs> using Sam's core sword and killing Armstrong. I think the final boss fight, like his final stage or whatever, uh is pretty cool too. Like there's a lot of varied, uh, like you you have to do the 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 blade mode cutting through. He throws rocks at you at some point, and like you have to cut those in half. And I think that's just like a cool implementation of that mode in a boss fight. And there's a you know you have to strike a specific part of his body, his head, um, in order to uh, weaken him at some points too. So. Um, he he can reheal himself too, so you have to like strike him in a specific part of his body during that part. Otherwise, he's reviving his life, you know. So it's a it's a. I think it's a good boss boss fight. I like I said, I I didn't die. I was expecting this part to be insanely frustrating because the way Dante was saying that people have quit at this part of the game, but uh, I I died. Like I said, I died more at the the first part of this boss than I did. I think I died four or five times at the first part. I think I only died three times at the second part. So I think without knowing that well, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think without knowing about the dodge, that would make that fight. Yeah. Impossible. Oh yeah. (laughs) Okay. I was just making sure. Cause I was like, man, they actually seem to have gotten through that fairly easily. Granted, my problem always aroused from the rock throwing. 
I could never get all of them. So I would always get hit by one. And at least on hard difficulty, that was a full health bar. Like it, it literally took whatever health you had left and just used a med pack. So there's a trick that you can use to avoid having to do that altogether. If you run towards where he's throwing it at, for some reason, it doesn't hit you. So That's you what can, I did. Okay. Yeah. So you, yeah. So you can you can just bypass that altogether. Man. No, I just got hit by all of those and uh, <laughs> just ate them. Yeah, I, I was like, well, I haven't used a health pack up until now, pretty much. So I guess this is where I use them. But yeah, it's a fun fight. It kind of makes you use every little bit of your arsenal. But like they said, if you don't have the dodge, there's a lot that just make that fight a nuisance like yeah yep he yep. has this attack that pretty much makes it so you can't be within like probably 20 feet of the dude in any direction he has all these volcanic attacks that come out of the ground those do a ton of damage he has a grab move that's absolutely stupid where you guys know what i'm talking about where he pretty much like yeah. auto locks onto you and will grab you no matter what nah i dodged it every time yeah, I never got caught by it. <laughs> Scrub. Okay. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm, not, I'm not laughing at him, but you know. <laughs> like, there's one There's one that you, that no matter what you do, so you will fast. get caught by it. Nah, man, you just, you just dodge at the last minute, and then he just whiffs the grab. Yeah, I get, I like side. Use your invincibility it. frames from your backdash, dog. Yeah, shout out to Street Fighter 4. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I should have known this would, this would come full circle. I was like, <laughs> I've been withholding this information. Now it's going to be used against me. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, I appreciate giving us that information because I probably would be – I would not Honestly, have finished God, this I game. I was concerned that people wouldn't finish this game. I thought I wasn't going to finish this game because I was like, all right, I got three hours to play this. I beat the first two missions in, like, about 15 minutes. So I'm like, all right, so I got – Two and a, two hours and forty five minutes to beat this boss. All right, let's go. <laughs> and yeah, it's a lot shorter than I thought. I thought I was going to be stuck on it for a while. So uh, yeah, I, I think uh, me personally, uh, like every other boss, uh, was was I liked. So I liked Monsoon and I liked um, uh, Sundowner and I liked. Um, uh, Armstrong, but I did not like Mistral, and I did not like Sam. Yeah, I think the last three bosses are probably my favorite. Yeah, I really enjoyed Sundowner a lot, and I guess Blade Wolf is really cool, even though it's like a very oh, yeah. fight. <laughs> I don't like him either. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so you kill Armstrong, and uh, America is no longer great, and uh, then I think what the way the story ends is that you the, fatality him. You fatality him. What do you do? Oh yeah, you chop him up, right? You pull, pull out, out his heart and crush it. Oh, yeah, but don't you chop him up too? You stab his uh, little weak point, and then well, I think you're when you're doing that when you're slicing him, you're trying to basically open up his, ar- the heart. his heart. Yeah. So ah, okay, grab okay. It. Yeah, you grab his heart and it has like nano stuff on it, and then you crush it, and that's kind of cool. So the nano machine thing is, it's a Metal Gear meme because Metal Gear is supposed to be taking place in the real world, but all these people like there's a vampire undead dude and 
a lady that can predict like fortunes and just like dodge bullets, like the matrix or something like that. And then like in metal gear solid four, they explain all of those powers aren't mystical. They're just nano machines. So that line nano machine son has become like this giant meme in the metal gear fan base. So just more metal gear isms in there. Yeah. It's a weird ass game. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I kind of I kind of wish we would be able to go through like a Metal Gear game. Just kind of since none of you guys have played any of the other ones other than what are you uh, talking about? We did. Well, well, I mean, (laughs) technically, yeah, it was Ground Zeroes. Isn't that a short one? Yeah, but that's not like the full experience. Like you're not getting, you know, a real Metal Metal Gear on there eventually. Maybe we'll play play the first one. (laughs) I'd be pretty tired. I'd be that one's really good, actually. Oh, JK. You get to use the cardboard box even more than any other. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, we yeah. can use the barrel. Sure, pro at. So. Uh, no barrel. No barrel. Just the box, man. Uh, There's a barrel in four. But I think ultimately, I guess the way the story ends up is you save the orphans and you find a shelter for their brains so they can potentially have a chance for a second or better life. And uh, I think. You uh, you defeat Desperado and Armstrong dies, and I think you decide to retire from the game, right? Like you're like you're asked to be brought back up with your old crew, right? Maverick is the word that I keep seeing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think initially Boris, I think that's the guy's name, the guy that's giving you commands. Yeah, all the objectives. Yeah, he's like, are you sure you want to, you know, you don't want to continue down this path? And Ryan has his little spiel, and they kind of part ways. And, yeah, I think the game ends with you being surrounded by some cyborg dudes, and then you're, like, in a tux, and then, like, your sword appears, and you're like, it's game time, kind of, and he unsheathes his sword, and then fade to black. And, uh, yeah, so overall, um, I think this game is very punishing for new players, unless you know where to look. But uh, I think that it's a worthwhile game. I think it's a fun game. And uh, it's, a, it's a weird game. It's a platinum game, and it's a metal Is, is this like a, a perfect amalgamation of platinum and Metal Gear? I feel feel like it is. Yes, there is no more Platinum or Metal Gear that it could possibly be in my mind. That's cool. I really do like Platinum games, so uh, I think this is maybe... I did like the stealth aspects of this game, so I probably would like the stealthier parts of Metal Gear. I don't know necessarily keeping up with the story in this game or... If Metal Gear is even crazier than this, I don't know if I'd be down with that. But <laughs> it's very comic booky. I think you'd be fine. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, do you guys got anything else you guys need to say about Metal Gear? I guess my one critique is I wish it was a little bit harder. Oh, I'm fine. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with. <laughs> no, I'm just playing like, but not really. <laughs> um well uh I'm I'm assuming did we get any emails? I forgot to ask earlier. I always forget to have it pulled up. Hold on. Alright, I'm gonna assume that we did it. 
I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have hope. Hold on. While he's doing that, I'm gonna read this monsoon meme quote. You aren't the only one to grow up in the killing fields. War is a cruel parent, but an effective teacher. Its final lesson is carved deep in my psyche. That this world and all of its people are diseased. Free will is a myth. Religion is a joke. We are all pawns of something even greater. Memes. The DNA of the soul. They shape our will. They are the culture. They are everything we pass on. Expose someone to anger long enough, they will learn to hate. They become a carrier. Envy, greed, despair. All memes. All passed on. You can't fight nature, Jack. Wind blows, rain falls, and the strong prey upon the weak. Sam tells me you see your weapon as a tool, something that saves lives, a means of justice. Now that's a pretty meme. Exquisite. It spared you the burden of all the lives you've taken, absolved you of guilt when you've enjoyed it. So yeah, this game is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess we'll go ahead and plug ourselves and our. Um... Oh, also, we didn't get any emails. So. <laughs> That's why I already went to the next part. I already knew what the deal was. <laughs> but uh, but if you guys are listening, you know, feel free to uh, send us an email at mischeckpoints at gmail dot com. Uh, always looking for any type of uh, any type. Yeah, anything. You know, if you guys want to just send us your. Christmas wish list or Amazon wish list or whatever. Go ahead. We ain't buying you nothing. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, but yeah. Everything he said. Uh, so our Facebook page, make sure to like us on uh, facebook.com slash checkpoints. And um, I guess we can plug our individual pages. Uh, you first, Dante. Okay. DanteThinksOutLoud.wordpress.com is my blog. I'm also, I guess I stream occasionally on twitch.tv slash Cloud. Greg? Uh, you can hit me up at on Twitter at Boombox Hero. Uh, Facebook, I think it's the same thing, Boombox Hero. And on Twitch at uh, XDRDMagNegroX. Trevor? You can find me at Lyric Unsung. Pretty much everything. And then I am Potato Salad on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, I guess Next last month. but not least, yes, uh, for December, we had a list of games that were submitted by the fans and the listeners and friends of ours. I think we had about 24 submissions, and we uh, uh, chose, each of us chose a single uh month's worth of content so either two shorter games or one longer game and um we've gotten it down to about five games so the choices the fan choice poll for december these are the games that we are going to cover or your choice is what we're going to cover in december is uh trevor chose azra's wrath plus all the dlc um i chose bioshock infinite Dante chose Devil May Cry 3, and Greg chose Firewatch and Gunpoint. So uh, you guys go ahead and visit our Facebook page. Again, that's facebook.com slash Checkpoints. And go ahead and vote in the poll. 
Uh, we're going to have the poll open from the 2nd of November to uh, the 20th of November. And we will reveal the winning game as well as the games that we are going to cover January through April on Black Friday, which is the 24th. Let me check. I believe that is November 24th. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So be on the lookout on our Facebook page. Uh, we will release the schedule for December through April on the 24th. Um, and next month's game is uh, my game, my choice. Uh, Bonnet Commando 2009. I am pretty high for it. Pretty high for it. Yes. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it was like, I think it was after we did Life is Strange. I'm like, yo, man, we're going to have to play some action games. I wish we could just skip Greg's month so we could play Bonnet Commando. <laughs> but Platinum games aren't action games anymore. Hey, hey, yeah, well, they're real life now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, so I hope we don't have action game fatigue when it comes to my game. We've already played two action games, and we're about to play our third one in a row. But I'm really, 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 really looking forward to playing this game, and I'm really looking forward to hearing everybody's opinion on this game because i believe it's just me and greg that have played and or beat this game right yeah i believe so so we'll have a we'll have another our next episode me and you are going to discuss the bonnet commando lore and then obviously you know the story legacy how crazy the story <laughs> is you know and just like all the uh rad spencerisms you know that are the game I heard back in um, 08 or whatever they announced the game, it was originally the original Nathan design from the NES, and then they pulled a Kojima on us and switched it. Hey, Dreadlocks. They, the, the guy that they modeled, okay, you know the, the band Faith No More? Mm-hmm. He was the voice actor, the, the lead singer of that game was the uh, voice actor for Spencer in that game. So they modeled his new look after how he looked at the time. What a bizarre time for video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a little fun fact that I've, I actually learned that like uh, earlier this week when I was like, I was like, every now and then when I was like, yo, we're about to cover this game. I would just like look up some like storyline about Bonnet Commando or something. And I was like, I, I found that out like earlier this week. And I was like, yo, that's tight. So, all right. Well, um, no other news or announcements we need to make, right? Mm, I think that's it. All right. Well, <laughs> I think it's time for us to sign off. It's been a long episode. So peace, y'all. Later.